and uh, welcome to another episode of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. My name is Amitai. I am the co-founder and CEO of Young Boost, the biohacking skincare company, which this podcast is brought to you by. I am very happy that you have joined uh, me today. Uh, I'm very excited because today I have a personal hero of mine as a guest on this podcast. His name is Bob Turia. He's better known as Quantified Bob. A little bit about him before we start. He's a uh, New York City-based technology entrepreneur, biohacker, and self-quantification, in his own words, self-quantification geek. He's focused on the intersection of data-driven citizen science, health and wellness, human performance, longevity, and personal optimization. Again, an extremely interesting guy. He's also the co-founder of Awesome Labs, a health, wellness, and emerging technology studio, and the founder of Optimal, a consulting and coaching venture. I have been reading his blog for many, many years, and he's one of the people I look to as far as shining a light on the next best thing in health optimization and biohacking. And he has a very rich history in, in those fields, aside from being really has over two decades of, of uh, career in technology before even the dot-com crash of the late 90s, through the rise of online communities, social networks, social media platform, emergence of consumer facing health and wellness, AI machine learning, mobile apps, blockchain technologies. The guy is a real genius. And uh, I just had to have him geek out with me on the future of biohacking and health optimization, especially through the lens of someone that is so data-driven, such as himself. I highly recommend taking notes and kind of stopping where you want to learn more and diving into things that we go in on your own. Like take it as a uh, like a menu of things that you can dive deep into. A few things that you're going to learn in this podcast is how to measure your your metrics. What does it mean? Like how do how can we measure if things work or not work? Supplements we're taking, habits we're forming our measurement wearables like Aura Rings or Whoop Straps or Bio Straps, how do we interact with those things? How, you know, how technology, you, you can get a, a glimpse into the future of uh, biohacking and health optimization technology, uh, because we're diving deep into what he likes, how he measures things. We're looking at the history of, of biohacking through his eyes. Again, very interesting. Before we begin, I would just like to say that it would mean the world to me and to us here in Yangus if you took two seconds out of your day to subscribe to the podcast. Not only does it ensure that you will never miss an episode, but it also ensures that the algorithm likes us, that, that other people that have similar shared interests as you will know about this podcast and will be able to learn more through it. Last but not least, I'm reminding you that this podcast is brought to you by Young Goose, which is the leading and the pioneer in skin health biohacking and optimization, the uh, biohacking skincare company. And what we do is we make your skin behave like a younger skin through our products, and then the skin looks better, behaves better, and ages better through time, looking better today and looking better tomorrow and in 10 years. But without further ado, please welcome Quantified Bob. Welcome to another episode of Biohacking Beauty. My guest today is my personal biohacking hero, Quantified Bob, Bob Turia. So, Bob, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, just as a reference, obviously, we were all kind of exposed to what biohacking is or health optimization since since forever. But the term is, I think it's around 10 years old. How old is the term, do you think, Bob? In the context of how we describe yes. biohacking, I'd say the last 
eight or nine years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were one of the first people, and I know you know it, I told you this before, you were one of the first people who made that connection for me. Obviously, the reason you're called Quantified Bob is because you're, you're doing quantification of all the data, like you're measuring all the data. But you were one of the first people who, um, who made the connection between like health and biohacking for me because I, I never heard about the word before. And I loved the idea of measuring things because we can basically believe or or disprove anything that comes across our way. But if we can measure it, then we're going to have a better idea of how it's going to help us or not help us, right? Exactly. I mean, there's a saying that you can only man can't manage what you can't measure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do think, you know, even going back eight, nine years ago, I mean, what we could measure was not even a sliver of what we can do today. So just because the advances in technology and science and, and, and just the... Um, moving stuff out of expensive laboratories into the hands of consumers is like, it's been pretty drastic. And so, you know, so I think for people today, they have to realize like eight or nine years ago, 10 years ago, what we could measure, it was much more, you had to make more of an effort. <laughs> you know, yeah. now we're just drowning in data. I mean, there's so much information out there, but back then it was like, you had to really do a lot of legwork to figure out how to capture certain bits of information. And I feel like you still do like the things that you've told me about wearables and the way that you can kind of interpret data, which is not really readily available right now in the market is, is pretty interesting. But I, I have a question, like, how did you start? Like you told me stories about 40 people in San Francisco at the first like biohacking conference, but why are you interested in health? Like, where did it come from? Everyone has like, a, I feel like 90% of the people in this industry, they have like a origin story that starts with some like health challenge or something like that. And the other 10 are just, you know, whatever. But, but what, what made you be interested even in health? Yeah. So going back to my, my teenage years. Um, so I've always just been into technology and mm -hmm. information and data, but in my teenage years, uh, playing sports in high school, et cetera, I was always looking for ways to, I was like a hard gainer, skinny kid, but I was pretty good at the sports I played. And I was like, how do I get stronger, put on more muscle? You know, we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have all the access to information. You had to go digging up books and libraries and, and figuring out calculations and all these other you know, formulas and all that. So in, and, you know, we're using like stopwatches and rulers instead of wearables and, you know, smart scales and all that. So back then it was all about like, you know, understanding myself, how do I get some performance out of it? And that went into college. I, I ran some um, division one track, get out of college into the real world. And now that's where most people start, you know, the stress of life and being an adult and you, you maybe don't, you're not in as good shape as you were at one point. And, you know, I built a couple businesses over the years and I thought I was being, you know, pretty successful at that. And I was still trying my best to, you know, exercise and work out. But I hit a point where one day I was, you know, I thought I was doing everything right in terms of like what I thought was good diet, what I thought was a good way to train. And I, I remember just being like, I'm exhausted. So on the outside, everyone's like, oh my God, you're killing it, Bob. You're, you know, you're running your business, you're playing sports, you're in a band, you're doing all these other things. And I was just like, I, I was just like breaking down inside. And then it was really at that point where I started kind of looking into what you know kind of uncovering like what what's going on there internally like you know because i felt like i was doing everything right and we get to, we have these like approaches to we think we're doing something a certain way and that's the only way to do it and we don't open ourselves up to like rethinking mm -hmm. you know so the way i was approaching diet once i discovered that i could shift to something where i was eating like a lot more healthy fats and and you know decreasing carbohydrates and eating a certain way where i was kind of had always been like you eat like chicken breast and broccoli. And that was basically it, you know, you yeah. eat like, you know, and, and cutting out certain things and you're, you're uncovering maybe some autoimmune issues that you had, like I had that I didn't realize. And it was just, it had all just sort of like built up and built up. And as I was sort of peeling away those, like uh, the layers of an onion, basically uh, learning more about myself, it, it helped me start uncovering. And you realize you start feeling a little bit better and better. And you, and you're like, wow, I could have always felt this good. Like I was, you know, the analogy I always use is like you were going through life with like a parking brake on. So you're still uh -huh. you're kind of moving, yeah. but something's kind of holding you back. And, and that was kind of a big awakening. But from a, from a self-quantification and biohacking standpoint, there's this, you know, it wasn't like so much a health challenge. It was me just coming to the realization of like, I, I saw where it could be going and I not, and being, trying to be a high performer, trying to maintain a certain level of not just, you know, physical and mental and emotional kind of performance 
it was it was me like then using my what I've learned about tools and data and self-experimentation to start just learning more about myself. Mm-hmm. And and so about you mentioned a conference that happened about you know eight or nine, nine years ago. Uh, but even before that, there was an, another community called the Quantified Self Community, which was a group that started in the Bay, San Francisco Bay Area that predates like what we were calling biohacking. And that was more about people that were using data to learn more about themselves. And their, their motto is self-knowledge through data. And those conferences started up a few years prior to that. And a lot of folks kind of spoke at those early ones, like uh, Dave Asprey, Tim Ferriss. Um, it was started by Kevin Kelly, who started Wire Magazine. And, and that was where you started realizing, like, there are a lot of people that were doing these kind of constructing self-experiments, trying to put a more scientific approach to things. Because now we think of biohacking as a lot of people are like, there's so much cool tech and supplements and all this, and everyone's trying everything. But they're not really kind of, they might, on some level, go, I feel better. But I'm not quite sure what's making me feel better. But it's one of these like, 20 things, and maybe only, or you know, maybe one of the 20 is working, and the other aren't doing anything. And so for me, it was more like self-discovery, like setting, constructing self-experiments to understand more about myself, but also to to try out things that I see out there, or replicate what other people had success with, and see if it will work for me. And the beauty of of what we call single-subject experiments or end of one experiments is, you and I could do the same experiment and have very different results. And it doesn't mean something doesn't work. It just means for you, it might not work, but for me, it does or vice versa. Yeah. And so that's where we have to really take, this is the whole idea of like taking a very individualized approach to things. There may be certain things where a certain supplement, let's say it works great for 50% of the population. And then for, you know, for 25%, it's like too, too much. And for 25% does nothing. Right. And so, yeah. you know, so you have to, you know, even we were learning about, you know, how this one size, one size fits all approach doesn't necessarily work. And, and, you know, so I think for me, it's just, just, I'm willing to put in a little bit extra effort in terms of like gathering data, constructing these experiments. And about a decade ago, I started blogging about it. I, I, I wanted to share my results mainly was at first to get my ideas down. So I was like, I wanted to record what I was doing. And then people started finding what I was writing about and they were like, oh, this is cool. And they would try to replicate what I was doing as well. And I was like, wow, there's actually other people out there that are kind of weird like me who want <laughs> who want to, um, Learn, learn about themselves in the same way. And so that all kind of, you know, went from the sort of self-quantification side, which isn't always all about health, because there were people who were doing quantified self type experiments that might be met, like tracking the books they read yeah. or social interactions or, you know, where they walked around town, that kind of stuff. But, you know, now there's very much an overlap, right? Where you're kind of seeing it synonymous, with like people who are collecting data, it's predominantly around health, health type of metrics. And then with biohacking kind of stacked on top of it, that's kind of what we now kind of view as the, the, the biohacking community. Yeah, I think it's, first of all, it's a very interesting analogy, like looking at self-quantification as something else than health, like even like Steven Pinker's like attention mapping could be considered like a self-quantification or a group quantification, you know, we're measuring who's getting the more attention and, and therefore ranking them as far as uh, their impressions on the group or whatever that is. And, and we can extrapolate it to whatever is going on with uh, big data today. It's also type of, uh, obviously not uh, N1, but it's also type of quantification. So it's it's an interesting approach to think about it. And what, what also is a challenge for me, I feel like, or what's interesting to me is most people are now, because as you said, quantification data is so much more conveniently available or readily available right now. Like you're, you're wearing a, an aura ring at the moment. Mine's charging, but uh, it's a very easy step to do at the moment, let's say aura ring. The issue I have is that when I look at things like that, I want to know if the supplement that I'm taking or the meditation I did or whatever that is, is affecting me to the positive. And I feel like the, the majority of people wearing it are doing it not necessarily to have an excuse not to train a specific day, but they're getting into the, to it affecting their overall decisions. I don't know if I'm, I'm posing my hypothesis correctly, but I feel like it's sometimes relate, relating to the data can have drawbacks as far as like you performing optimally if you let the data kind of dictate how you feel and not vice versa. Sure. I mean, a, a good exercise that you can do is, let's say you, you wear some wearable that tracks your sleep. Yeah. 
but before you know you wake up in the morning you're gonna like sync up your phone to your get the data off it and it's gonna tell you like how you slept the night before it's like and you're like oh my god i got no dc last night this is terrible i can't believe this but, but so my advice is before you do that in the morning try to predict what it's gonna say like think how you like so how do you feel because there might be times where you're like okay you went out the night before maybe you were out with a bunch of friends a little bit celebratory and maybe you know maybe you had a drink not nothing crazy but whatever and but you like you woke up the next morning you actually were like oh you know what i actually feel really good i had such an amazing evening i, I felt like i slept great i woke up maybe a little early but whatever and then you know the your data is going to say something like you know your heart rate was slightly elevated blah, blah, blah you know but you know and so i'm not saying that to be a chronic thing but there could be times where like what what you what you feel and the data might not necessarily match up so it's a lot more about trends i know some of the these apps now are trying to give you daily guidance right like mm -hmm. today's a recovery day and there's stress and strain metrics and all that for like that's definitely much more important with like athletic performance but another thing to keep in mind is you have to also look at the data and be like is this data accurate so mm -hmm. i'll give an example like a lot of wearables let's say i mean i'm not this isn't a negative thing on aura let's say but you might be sleeping on your arm or something. Your hand falls asleep overnight. Well, guess what? You're going to see like data, like it might say your HRV was low or high or whatever, but when you look at the graph, it's missing a whole bunch of data points. So they're still mm -hmm. giving you an, you're still getting an average value overnight. So it might say like, oh, my HRV is great today or terrible, but it's not a good sample size. So you might have to throw that away and just be like, I'm not going to even look like that data from last night isn't, I can't factor that into any of my decision-making because I know that that, that data was not reliable for whatever mm -hmm. reason, you know, user error. Sometimes, you know, my ring spin around, the sensors couldn't catch stuff, you know, so there's a lot of things at play there. And so I think to people, you know, before you start making like, like I said, those decisions about like, you know, based on your data, make doing or not doing something, just, just question what, you, what you're seeing as the data and go, am I convinced that this was co uh, collected accurately? Yeah. And go from there. Interesting. So. So um, we're talking about the journey that you've had, which obviously leads us to today where people don't even like the word biohacking anymore. That's already, you know, the problem with that, the, the community that we are a part of is that it's a community that was built by contrarians. And it's kind of a self-defeating mechanism because now that it is becoming more and more popular, the people who have driven that community until now don't like the fact that it's that popular anymore you know they they are kind of driven to find different avenues well i think like anything when when the the first group of people were getting together and they were kind of self-identifying you know it was like they kind of shared this very core same same sort of vision or yeah. or, or passion and like anything else as it gains something gains in popularity you're going to create like little subgroups within mm -hmm. that. So like biohacking is this encompassing term now where like, you know, there's, there's folks who are just purely into it for strength and performance. Let's say they're trying to optimize on that level versus the longevity folks. So not everyone is doing all of these things, you know, in the same way, like there are people doing some pretty extreme things with like um, certain uh, therapies and treatments like stem cells and all mm -hmm. that. And then there's people who are like sipping ketones and going on biohacking. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, is yeah. It? yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's not. Uh, I'm just saying there's a there's a spectrum, right? So uh -huh. it's not. It, I guess it just comes down to like when you have 40 people, a very small community. Yeah, you feel like you're with, you you might feel like this is completely my tribe. Mm -hmm. And when you're around when you're around 2,000 people, you're all like, yeah, we have a common interest, but your tribe might be a subset of that group just because it's it's hard to you know to share every you know because you might be like we agree on these 10 things, and there's someone else who might go. I'm a carnivore diet and someone else is like, I'm full in on this, uh, another approach. And you know, you might be somewhere in the middle. And, yeah. um, and so again, it comes down to like, what, you know, finding these people you have a commonality with, but I, I don't think, I think biohacking as a term, I think where it's more like mainstream, I, I think where I've seen it is more the negative side is that people who aren't in the industry who don't or in the space, they hear the word like hacking has yeah. this like, I come from a software technology background. So for me, yes, there's hacking, like your computer can get hacked, but I consider myself like when I'm out, when I'm coding and I'm writing, it's like, well, I'm hacking something. I'm, I'm trying to get something to a certain optimal state with like the minimal effort. Like I'm basically like, okay, I'm going to find a, a shortcut to get yeah. there. And that's kind of like hacking where I'm hacking this. 
And I get it where like when you talk to friends and family and stuff and you say biohacking, there's a, that this idea of computer hacking, you know, getting hacked, getting your, yeah. your, your credit card information stolen, or banking from, you know, that. So I understand that. And, uh, you know, and that's why you're seeing like other terms being interchanged with, with biohacking now that, you know, it might mean exactly the same thing. Like I mean, yes. I, at the end of the day, it's like, are, is it biohacking? Is it health optimization? Is it, it's, it's like, we're all going, it's the same goal. It's just, it's just more the branding that mm -hmm. how it's perceived in the public space. And then, like I said, within the biohacking space, I mean, there are subgroups, like there's specialized conferences just around fasting or keto and, and around, you know, so there's like, people can find these subgroups. It's just like, you know, it's, and at some point there will be like another, another term will arrive <laughs> or arise that, you know, supplants it. Mm -hmm. And and whatever we're going to call that, I, you know, who knows? But that's just the way it is. The same way, quantified self was around before biohacking, and it's still around. But now people just consider them, even though they're not the same thing exactly. But there's an overlap, and so it just gets absorbed into it. Yeah, the Venn diagram basically has now grown into uh, one term that has eaten the other. To be honest with you, and I've voiced it uh, to to you personally before. My concern is that this community, this whatever you want to call this, is going to follow in the same footsteps of keto or paleo, or I mean, like you could think of another enabling term. And when I, what I mean by that is when, when a community starts, like, like you said, like biohacking community, paleo community, whatever that is, because everyone is of the same understanding of what it means, a lot of things are getting like the green check mark from the community of being good, being um, positive. And then there is some runway effect. Like if now I'm going to go to a department store and I'm going to see keto friendly, I would even say the fact that it says keto friendly probably means that it's not keto friendly. Like that, the fact that someone chooses to use the term leads to the fact that they are trying to have some monetary gain from, from attaching themselves to the keto community. Do you feel it's starting to happen in our community? Like, where do you see it? Uh, I mean, it's, well, it's like, it's not so much that the community is, itself driving that. It's yeah. that organizations and corporations outside of the community that are trying to identify the next big thing. Mm -hmm. They're like, how do we capitalize on that? Yeah. And so like you go to your grocery store and you're going to find these like keto creamers and stuff. And if you look at the ingredients... It's nothing that I would ever want to drink, but it's technically keto, I guess. It's like got fats in it, but not yeah. the ones I want, you know. So I so I don't think it's like the community itself being, you know, fraudulent doing but I, I it's like anything. Like a, I, another analogy would be like if you look at certain magazines, like Cosmopolitan and all that, right? It used to always be like, how many times do you see the word sex on uh -huh. the of every issue of the cosmopolitan? It's like sexy sex, blah blah. Go look at the latest issues, right? What's it's going to say? I, you probably count three or four times they'll say the word keto or, or something. It's like that word is just like being thrown around as weight loss. Yeah. And so now they're trying to sell issues, right? So they're like, well, mm -hmm. what's popular? People are hearing about these terms. And so it's not the, so it's not the community itself. It's like, I don't, I don't blame them. I mean, no, no, no. It's like piggybacking off of it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like anything. I mean, you can do that with anything, anything that gets popular, like, Okay, look in the alcohol industry. Everyone, as soon as um, hard seltzers became popular, every beer company all of a sudden now sells hard seltzer. Why? Because uh -huh. they saw the market opportunity. They're like, why are we not getting a piece of that? So, it, you know, I, it's that's just business. Uh, yeah. it's up to the, now it's up to the consumer to kind of sift through it and go, well, what what is the real quality product here, right? That um, that I should be using versus like what's on the shelf in a, in a regular grocery store. Um, I mean, look, I would love. To be able to go to any grocery store and see like top tier products on all the shelves. I mean, that's, yeah. that would be like amazing, right? It's so convenient. But, but like when you've got these larger, larger corporations, I mean, you, you're probably even seeing it today where like there are a lot of brands that started in this industry that got acquired and sold. Yes. And, and they're not quite the same as they used to be, right? So that's why big corporations work, right? They, they, they take something, they preserve the brand because there's a whatever. And then they're like, okay, now how do we? how do we get more money out of this product? And they're like, mm -hmm. we can cut the corners, we can change the ingredients, we can do, do whatever. You know, that's just, that's always happened though. You know, it's... <laughs> yes, what, always, yeah. what I feel like might happen because of self-quantification and, and what, where, where the origins of like biohacking is, is what I'm hopeful that's going to happen is that this at least the same ratio of like uh, striving for quantified results, for measurable results, and the growth of that 
field will will grow in unison. If that is going to be one of the tenants, I feel like maybe more of the integrity is going to be preserved. So when you're looking at, at how you biohack right now, how you optimize your health, what are some of the things that you are most interested in right now? Because to be honest with you, again, everyone has their own people that they look at what they're doing and trying to and, and try to uh, have that as a, as a north star or something like that. For for me, for many in, in our community, it's it's you. So I'd I'd love to know what you are interested in right now. So again, being a data driven type person, and I'm looking in terms of like technologies and, and, and solutions that are out there that maybe aren't here today, but I'm kind of waiting for the next generation of like, so even with wearable tech and all that, the last basically five years have been pretty static. I mean, yeah. things have incrementally improved. We maybe shrunk some things down or batteries, but we haven't really seen uh, the next level of, of like sensor technologies. Mm-hmm. We're, and we're, you know, we're a few years away from that. But when that next generation hits, like the, the things that we'll then be able to add to our repertoire of things we can collect off of us are going to improve. Like, I mean, I've, I've been playing around with devices that are like spectrometers where yeah. basically you take a little bit of blood and you, you put it in this little device, it shines these different wavelengths of light through it. And it's essentially just a bunch of data. Now they've got to have these like machine learning systems in place and all that, where they can go through it and detect things out of just your blood. So like you could have this thing in your home and once a week, every Monday morning, you just do a little blood, you know, prick your finger, put a little blood in this little cartridge, you put it in there and it's going to tell you like how to adjust whatever's going on, exercise, diet, and all that, beyond just like your regular, you know, let's say you do blood work a few times a year. This is more like, it's not so much telling you like your vitamin D level is this or this, it's looking at the entire system and saying, we've we've pulled out a few things where you you can maybe, you know, you need to do this, this, and this this week. So that's one area that, because that that technology is just here today. It just Uh needs to, it needs to just get, become more affordable and and more consumer friendly. And and we're, we're, that, that one's close. I like what's going on with, so MRIs, if you've ever had to go get an MRI, like a magnetic re- resonance imaging, yeah. like you lay in a big tube and, um, you know, it's like if you've ever like gotten an injury, if you sit in this tight. So they used it for like, you know, because it creates a 3D essentially slices of your body. You can go all the way through all your tissues and they can look for stuff. Mm-hmm. But now it's being, these systems are being improved on and they're getting even higher res- resolution and using it for not just for like injury, it's actually using as a, an alternate for getting like um other technologies for body composition analysis. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no radiation, so you can like lay in this thing. And then you've got this full model of your body, so they can look through not just, you know, so it's not just looking at bone density, body composition, sort of metrics, body fat, all that, but you can look at different organs and tissues and like, and they can start looking and detecting things that way. So you, you combine that sort of um, information with the next generation of blood tests that are coming out where there's one that's an early cancer detection, one that can detect up to 50 different kinds of cancers mm-hmm. like five years before you would ever develop a tumor. Now, now we're getting very into this preventative, like longevity. So that's what I'm passionate about. A lot of this is all about laying the foundation for longevity. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's very easy for us to be like, okay, I'm going to do all these biohacking things. I'm going to have all these tools and technologies, but then you're like, you're hurt all the time. And you're, and it's like, no, I don't want to be hurt. That's a, that's the stuff you need to address right away. Cause uh-huh. I think like, you know, that's what's going to compound and compound and compound. So you got to maintain that level of um, mobility and just kind of fix those, you know, address those issues as soon as you can. So when we get into all these, like these other new tools around longevity, they, these are more um, diagnostic tools. So I'm not even getting into things where it's like people taking certain supplements or doing different things that are thought to potentially extend lifespan, right. Or at least health span. And so these areas I, I'm, I'm looking at it first at like from a data perspective. So yeah. the tools that will give us the information to allow us to see that, you know, things that could potentially be happening years in advance. That gets me pretty excited. Just again, because you go from like, as a teenager, it was all like performance to your, you know, when you're an athlete, it's like performance types of metrics. And now you, you shift when you get to a certain age, you're like, now you're starting to think more about like, I want to kick ass as long as I can. <laughs> so what are the things I can do to maintain that? And so yeah. I mean, for me, I like, I mean, I, I was looking, I have old workout notebooks from 20 plus, like from like the late nineties, 2000. Like I wrote down all my workouts in like a notebook. I go to the gym and I, and I looked at what I was doing and like, I'm stronger today than I was then, which is, you know, I'm like, so that's like, so when you talk about people, like from a longevity standpoint, you're maintaining muscle, you know, muscle, bone density, muscle mass. Like you just gotta, you know, it's something you just can't give up on. You gotta just keep yeah. doing it. And so, yeah. And so the stuff that, that's kind of, you know, really what excites me right now 
is it's it's where where I see things going in the next two to three years. Yeah, and that's in the uh, in the in the ability to measure, which is I agree with you. That's kind of how we started the conversation. That might be the the biggest driver of health or of any any type of uh, industry is the ability to have better measurements and kind of ha- know what works, what doesn't work, especially on an individual level, just to know and, what, and, yeah. And, and basically it's, it's all about, you know, if you can detect, you know, if you can uncover things bef- years before, like, you know, we have this like type two diabetes, right? It's yeah. such a huge health crisis, right? It's a huge mm-hmm. health crisis. Now that doesn't happen overnight. That's like through decades and decades of lifestyle. So, you know, that's something that you can see coming from like a mile away. Now, yeah. And I'm saying there's other things in our lives, other things that potentially like we can use testing to uncover and point out and be like, hey, you're on the path. If you keep doing this five years from now, you're going to have these issues or, you know, and so it's totally reversible. So giving people this information to basically say to them, look, you know, you can make these little changes now. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of harder to make change. We've been doing something for a long time and then you, it's going to take you years to reverse it. But yeah. if you say like, look, you're just starting on the wrong path. Maybe like, okay, in the last year you've gotten on the wrong path. Let's just correct that. Maybe it takes some, it's a matter of months and then you're back, you know, you're, you're at your optimal state again. So I think, you know, for people getting that sort of information. So being, you know, most people that are wearing wearables and all that, like they're not running experiments and, and, and doing all this on themselves. They want to be told like, based on this information, tell me what I yeah. need to do. And they, they want that feedback. You know, there's been products out there that were like, one of the earliest sleep trackers that were out there from like eight, nine years ago, people were buying them and then returning them because it was like, it would just say to you, you, you sleep like crap. And they're like, yeah. I know I sleep like crap. Well, why do I sleep like crap? Well, I wouldn't tell you that. It just tells you you sleep like crap. And so people don't want, you know, they want, they want to know the why. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that. I get the why a lot of the times is being very quickly is being um, kind of um, being u- utilized to also sell products, right? That's kind of the, uh, the dance here have a measurable, have like instructions associated with that, but try to discern what is an instruction that's trying to sell me something uh, as opposed to like an instruction that that is, you know, is data exclusive, if you would. I agree. That is as far as like what we can measure. I also think that other technologies are getting better and better and better. Like, for example, you did mention like exosome stem cells, PRP, like things that are more associated with biohacking nowadays that's something that was also extremely expensive you know 10 years ago and now are getting you know they're still very expensive but they're getting more affordable so people are doing it more we're hearing about it more what are some of the things that you have measured that are helping you tremendously or to some extent and that you're excited to be using right now or the future i mean it's really from a day-to-day perspective it's it's, it's still very basic. I mean, measuring things like, I look at trends more than the acute day yes. to day. So like, let's take an example. If you have like a smart scale in your back, like at home, right? You, I, every morning, you do the same thing. I get on it. It's going to tell me my weight, my body fat composition, bone density, all that kind of stuff. And it, it's depending on the variable. There's so many variables, like mm-hmm. how hydrated you are. Did you, you know, eat a meal late last night? Do you have undigested food? So it'll give you, the values are going to be off like day to day, but if you zoom out and you look at it like over a year and you draw a trend line through it, it's a pretty accurate, like you could, you could pinpoint times in your life, like where like, oh, I was doing this during these months. And, you know, so like for me, like looking at zooming it out that way is, is important. And, and even just things like sleep, you know, you can zoom that out looking at trends by like not just day of week or monthly or whatever. But I, I do think being able to correlate data this is, this is one thing like a lot of this the tools out there they might give you information about one aspect of your wellness mm-hmm. but really what we want to know is about the correlations like understanding the cause and effect of like this plus this um you know gets you a, to a better state or these three things combined will but maybe one of them on its own doesn't do a whole lot yeah or by, or the opposite or two two things together such as i don't know metformin and exercise you know there are causing a, a, a reaction that we don't want or that they're blunting some effects of, of, of the other thing. Yeah. And I mean, or the, or like in the case of most biohackers, like I'm doing these 20 things, <laughs> yeah. which are the 19 things are maybe not, you know, maybe they're doing little bits here in incremental, but like if money's no object, that's fine. But some of them might be expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you talk about things like stem cells and ex- exosomes and all that, 
I mean, there's a lot of people now that are that are doing using peptides, mm -hmm. which I've you know I've been using them probably on and off for maybe like three years now. Mm -hmm. Very like for very specific sort of purposes. Most you know I kind of started with general kind of um, peptides that help with regeneration, so yeah. just helping the body heal. And I like I, I saw that I saw that I kind of felt and noticed the benefits of that. And then now I've been implementing like a like a two multi phase approach where I'll I'll do like an extended fast, like a mm -hmm. five day water fast. I'll induce autophagy for a period of time, just like let my body kind of reset, break down, help help get the, let the body kind of get rid of and shed off old, you know, dead, dead cells and things like that. And then implement the protocol where like, now I'm going to like bring in all these anabolic factors and get my body to build itself back up. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I've, I've been doing that over the last basically so about, about like four months now. So like mm -hmm. I basically, I, I did the sort of fasting phase, autophagy phase. And so I called it like a breakdown and rebuild kind of approach. Um, and again, I'm, this is just me kind of setting up an experiment. Uh, you know, I, I kind of consulted a few doctors and said, what do you think of this? And got their feedback or things I should add or take out. And yeah, I've been pretty happy with, uh, with all of that. You know, in terms of like things to measure, I mean, even things like, you know, wearing con continuous glucose monitors and, yeah. and all that, I think there's a point where, you know, you don't need to be wearing it all the time. Like the, the sensors last about two weeks. And if you can, you know, they, I'll, I'll, I'll pack a bunch of experiments in during that window and I kind of know the trends and stuff. So I don't necessarily need to be wearing it all the time. Maybe if I was like a competitive athlete and I was going to go like run a marathon or do something like that, it, can, it may be, maybe there's a way for it to give me actionable data. Like while I'm competing, like you're going to bonk or meet the hydrate or because the, the newer sensors that are coming out are also going to measure ketones and, mm -hmm. and I think lactate or, or hydration. And so now you've got like a really cool, you know, sensor that gives you this like more of an actionable real time data. You know, I, I, I look at things like in my home, my environment, you know, temperature, air quality, metrics, um, mainly in the, mainly in my bedroom, just because mm -hmm. like you want to optimize where you're sleeping. Yeah. So, uh, been doing a lot of stuff around that manipulating temperature to, to basically help, you know, dial in my sleep. I can get my heart, my resting heart rate down pretty low overnight just from that, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, but there's no real, I mean, the stuff that, you know, you're getting off the wearables, so it's, you know, general sleep data, blood oxygen, saturation, heart rate variability, those trends are all important. So there's nothing that I'm doing there. That's anyone yeah. out there can, you know, has that, has in, that same information. I think it's just, um, you know, you want to look at those trends and understand yourself better. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some cool stuff out there, like, uh, tech wise, like, um, well, I mean, I guess, you know, you have a, a podcast around, around beauty and stuff. So yeah. like, so there's practitioners out there that use like microcurrent for, you probably heard of this, like microcurrent facials and things mm -hmm. like that. You're basically exercising the muscles of the face, yeah. generating collagen. So, and it's a, you know, it's a, painless procedure that like, if you think about it's the same technology that people have used for like muscle training and like with electrical stimulation and stuff, but it's actually using it on your, like on your face. And it's pretty cool to see like how that stuff can actually have an effect on the, uh, you know, just the uh, skin elasticity and, and, and collagen production and just, you know, just letting the, it's giving you a workout essentially in your face. Yeah. Yeah. To me, to be honest with you, to me, what's more important there, because I believe most people are, most devices, again, like we're talking about reliability again, we're talking about like what's the dosage, et cetera. To me, what's the most important with everything that's electrical, magnetical stimulation to the skin, it's mainly like blood supply. The fact that we can get blood to where we want it is a pretty, pretty big deal in biohacking, I feel like in general. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've done like I do a, a type of training called um, adaptive contrast training. So I have an oxygen concentrator that hooks up to a big reservoir. So I fill it with um, oxygen. that's about four times room oxygen, so 80% oxygen. Mm -hmm. And I have a switch. So I'm on an exercise bike and I'm getting my heart rate up to a certain point. And then I'll flip a switch and I go hypoxic. So it's going to bring me up to about 12,000 feet above sea level. So now I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in low oxygen, low oxygen. And what it's doing is I'm actually my blood pressure, everything's building up because I'm low oxygen. So the, you're going to pump your, your heart's going to pump faster to maintain a certain oxygen level. Then you flip a switch while you're still going all out really fast on this bike. And you flood the body with oxygen mm -hmm. and, and that's going to, it does like, it helps flush out toxins. It opens up all your cap, like the tiniest little, like you'll feel your fingers tingling because it's opening up every like little capillary and stuff. And, and over time what that actually does, it's, it's like improving, like helping with things like VO2 max or also just your body because you're simulating this sort of this altitude versus sea level kind of stuff. 
your, your red blood cells will grow bigger. It says that's why like athletes will train at altitude and come and compete, but you're able to do this with just like device at sea level, you know, it's kind of cool. Do you yeah. think so, that, yeah, go ahead. No, so to your point, like about getting, you know, blood flow and all that, I think it's, yeah, super important. I wanted to take a quick break for this episode to chat with you about our Young Goose skincare product and our special offer for our podcast listeners. Our products are the world's first biohacking skincare products, and what they aim to do is to reboot uh, your skin cells to a youthful state so they can correct the cellular damage that is accumulated over time. Our favorite products and the one that we recommend everyone to start with are is our care concentrated moisturizer that can be used as both a day and a night cream. What this product is really specially delivering to the skin is our NAD precursors that are nano-sized and lipolized. They are both NR and NMN. And what they aim to do is to fuel the repair processes that our skin engages in by activating also our sirtuins, which are our anti-aging genes or our longevity genes that are responsible for DNA repair and basically repairing who we are really as human beings. In order to do that in a, the most effective way, we combine it with our enhanced resveratrol, which is fermented resveratrol that allows resveratrol to be 50 times more bioavailable in the skin and actually non-toxic because most people don't know that resveratrol is actually toxic for the skin since the skin doesn't have the enzyme to break it down like our gut does. So by fermenting the the resveratrol and introducing the enzymes in the fermentation process, we can obviously make it non-toxic and 50 times more bioavailable. And Care Concentrated Moisturizer also has 10 more active ingredients that support those processes, such as CoQ10, PQQ, two forms of vitamin C, and even turmeric and B vitamins. This is the first product we recommend. The second is eye care, which is a version of care specifically for the eyes. It also contains our NAD precursors and also contains very, very advanced peptides or proprietary complex that includes GHKCU, a copper peptide that is very famous for its anti-aging abilities. The third product we recommend is our ProCare Serum. And that is a very special serum because it interacts with the mTOR pathway, which is a pathway that is very famous for its ability to affect how we age. So this product does a few things, but really what it does, it eliminates senescent cells, which are cells that harm our skin because our skin couldn't clear them very well. So it eliminates those, regenerates the skin. It stimulates the mitochondria with lilac uh, cell culture extract. And it also has a very strong and effective form of vitamin C that is well known to help the skin regenerate itself. Combining these three products by first applying ProCare, then eye care, and then care will give you the best results you've ever experienced for your skin and that we guarantee. If you would like to try these products, you can head over to younggoose.com to our website. And when checking out, please use the promo code PODCAST20 in all capital letters in order to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, head over to younggoose.com and use promo code PODCAST20 in all capitals for 20% off your first purchase. And now let's get back to the podcast. Do you think when you when you are doing that, is there correlation between that and the hyperoxia hypoxia paradox that's happening in hyperbaric chambers? That the fluctuation between 100% oxygen to 21% oxygen like brings up most of the benefits no it, it's it's this there's a mechanism so like when you first start on this when you first start you're on high oxygen mm -hmm. and you're just pedaling a bike and there's a there's a, a switching mechanism that happens at about five minutes where the body you'll feel you actually feel a flush like you just feel like this kind of like go and it's it's actually it's it's your body just opening all your the, like the capillaries yeah. and stuff openings I mean, it's just a natural thing so it's not quite the same as like being in just in a like a hyperbaric chamber, it is the switching between going back and forth, high to low, high to low. I mean, I've got a book on the on the topic. It's like it's like an old out of print textbook that's like I don't know 600 pages, like all these studies from like 
from the 1960s through the 1980s um, has all these charts and graphs and stuff and shows how they, they've done all these protocols because they they used to put people in like saunas mm-hmm. and they heat them up. And so be, these are people maybe they couldn't exercise as much. So they could sit just by getting heated and elevated and they just hook them up, do the same sort of procedure. And that was helping them sort of boost immune system, their immune systems and all that. So there's, um, you know, again, but the, the whole point though about blood flow is just like, yeah, I, I think a lot of stuff, you know, you, you realize like from a performance standpoint, even to, you know, health, general health and wellness, like we, we, we get, I mean, I hate to call it sludge, but when I've done these protocols, it's almost like what's doing is blowing out like gunked up sludge that you've built up in your capillaries. It's like letting it, you know, letting your blood flow better. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, you're going to detox. Yeah. So like some people do it for the, like the first time I ever did it. I, I actually felt like crap later in the day because mm-hmm. I was like detoxing. Right. I, so I went and I had to flush it all out. And the next day I woke up and I was like, I feel amazing. This, mm-hmm. this is, a, you know, that was, it was, it was a pretty uh, eye-opening experience. Yeah, it's, a, you know, very interesting. So that's, for example, something that you're doing, which is, as you said, they're like their research, 20 years of research that is out of print because it's kind of ended in the 80s and, and the ability to measure its, you know, its effects are now kind of bringing it back into fashion. What are other things that, that you're doing that are maybe a little bit out there, but seem to work? I mean, I, I have some tools around, I do, I mean, a lot of stuff revolves around frequencies uh-huh. and like delivering certain frequencies to the body. Cause they can basically the variables of like frequency and intensity and pulse rate can affect different organs. So like we talked about like a microcurrent, like facial, that's more like getting muscles to, to fire and trigger, you know, anyone that has like a red light panel and something, I mean, you're using wavelengths of light that they, depending on what that wavelength is, it has a different effect on the body mm-hmm. and how it penetrates into the, so there are devices out there that are more like you work on elect, you use electrodes and you can run these different little frequency programs through the body that can target. It's not just on the outside of the body. It could be like, uh, help with, you know, liver, kidneys, mm-hmm. generate digestions. So it's kind of a woo woo out there thing, but it's stuff that like I've used, that, I've used this stuff. I've used different devices over the years and you know, it's like for different, situations you know you can throw one of these things on for like you know 10 minutes and that's all it really takes to do it you know i know you're familiar there's another device out there called uh the nano v mm-hmm. that's again it's using it's basically putting these frequencies into humidified air that you just breathe in and you sit there and it helps the body it basically tricks the body into thinking it's getting all this oxidative stress so your body will start regenerating it basically will um cells will start repairing and all that because it's the same wavelength that our cells communicate with when there's damage. Yes. So it's, um, and so like, and that's, a, that's something where when I first saw the, the device, I actually was a little skeptical. <laughs> yeah. And so I did, I did a couple experiments with them where I, um, I measured oxidative stress before and after 30 days and, we, and I charted it over that. And I could see like, it was definitely like, no, <laughs> I wasn't doing anything differently other than using that device. And, you know, and it was definitely knocking down my oxidative stress. Now, you know, if you live like near a city or, you know, depending on your environment, like it may just, a lot of the oxidative stress could just be from the environment you're in. And so, you know, I, I view that device as something where I use it. It's kind of like my, like keeps my head above water from, you know, just from like living in modern society and all that. So it's like, if you stop using it, probably at some point, you know, things are going to regress back because it's the environment you're in, let's say. And, but you know, that's, that's one of my go-tos that's like, it's right next to my couch in the living room. So if I'm unwinding in the evening, I just, it doesn't take any effort to use. So I'll just like yeah. throw that on and sit there for 30 minutes and just breathe it in. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really take any, any effort. Yes. And, and just to be clear, like when you say frequencies, cause I know you use two different things from following your social media and blog and stuff. So one is I saw you using this really cool miniature pulse electric, electrical magnetical frequency for uh, I think your calf muscle. That was one really cool thing. But the other one, you're talking about something like amp coil, right? That, that emits different frequencies that go through the body and, they, and you don't feel them, right? Exactly. So, I mean, the coil, whether it's PEMF, I mean, anything can deliver frequencies, right? It's just a yeah. matter of how intense or how focused. So, you know, like a, an amp coil is a, it's basically using that, that as a delivery device for any, like they have a database of frequencies. So I'd say it's more akin to something like that, but this is a much smaller thing. Yeah. Whereas I also have a pulse electromagnetic field 
device where if I got an acute injury or something like that, that would be more like a pulse center. Whereas the pulse center is like a rocket ship kind of powerful, <laughs> super thing. You know, this is like runs on a nine volt battery, but, but sometimes more power, you know, you don't need as much power um, to have an effect like these, this little device that I have, you know, I, I you mentioned, I, I was playing soccer and I, I blew out my ankle and it's probably, it was like a, or a, sorry, a sprain, but it was like a grade, probably grade three, almost sprain. Mm -hmm. And so like, wow. you know, you'd be out for like three or four weeks. And I just started hitting the, like I put the coils on and it was like, my whole leg was black and blew up to my, you know, my shin and yeah. And it healed like really, really fast. Cause what it's doing is the certain frequencies are signaling to like repair, mm -hmm. but also like, you know, when you, in your ankle there's a whole process of inflammation and your, your ankle tends to swell up because it's a protective thing it's also setting nutrients down there yeah and so what these devices do it just speeds up the process so it doesn't prevent you like so you put ice on an injury sometimes you know, you're like almost preventing the inflammation yeah but you want it to all happen you just want it to happen really fast mm -hmm. and and so these tools like so yeah i've got i've got lots of little devices around where like you know if i get a banged or bruised or something like that i can be like okay i'll throw that on help me heal Versus, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily a performance tool. That's more of like a, like, okay, you got recovery tools, you got injury tools, you know, that kind of thing. And, and then you've got things for performance. And I think they're all important. I mean, and what's cool is like some of these devices aren't, you know, they don't have to be giant. They're, they, they can make things pretty small now that, are, that can pack a lot of punch. And they aren't, and they're not like super expensive. Yeah, I think I, as I agree with you that a lot of what we consider the future of technology is not necessarily something that we don't have currently. It's just the price point or size, actually. Both of those things are what are, what are limiting the uh, advancement of it. So we talked about like performance, recovery, anything aside from um, NanoV that you use that is almost like specifically for longevity, that is specifically to live longer. To live longer. I mean... Or health span I, I, for that matter. Okay. I mean, it's, it's nothing crazy i mean i love i love saunas <laughs> great so um i mean uh you know infrared saunas for me cold plunge infrared sauna you know i don't cold plunge as much as often it's like but I, there's a couple places i can go to that have you know kind of can do one go back and forth hot cold hot cold but at mm -hmm. home I, I have a small sauna that i can use here or i can go to a lo another location but that's just something that i for me i know like that the benefits are just immense you know and i've done and i started out doing infrared saunas out of um i was trying to detox from heavy metals because mm. i'd done some testing that showed i had really high lead and mercury and i did a pretty intense 30-day uh protocol with niacin yeah <laughs> that was like pretty it was really intense and um and i i saw some pretty great benefits there but you know you can also go slow and low like you don't have to go crazy on infrared sauna you can just you know as long as you're just consistent with it and i think you know it's, it's good to get the body to sweat and you know with infrared sauna especially the the way they work and, and you can like different wavelengths, like you, you could smell it, your, your sweat, you know, you know, there's something going on there. It's not yeah. just like you're sweating, like you're working out. And so for me, it's like a relaxing, like thing to do, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh that I would say is a good tool for longevity. I mean, you know, aside, you know, that's from a technology standpoint, that's, you know, I, I some of the testing and stuff, you know, we're talked about, about, you know, preventing, like looking at things that could potentially be up with the body. Those are things that I'll be doing over this year. Cause I hit, I hit like a milestone birthday. So then this year is my big, like, mm -hmm. let's see where I'm at. And so, and then I've got, you know, just, yeah. Like things like, uh, you know, some, some peptides and things I've been using that I feel have been uh, beneficial. Yeah. I'll keep exploring them. So yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, again, it's with biohacking, it's not about being, doing the craziest stuff. It's just like, you know, yeah, you want to do experiments, see what works for you, but also like with things you got to look at the weigh the risk reward. So for me, like everyone asked me about things like rapamycin and for me personally, based on what I've read, I don't feel like I'm going to, I'm going to benefit from taking it. I mean, if I was like 80 years old or maybe it's a different story, but yeah. um, I feel like for me right now in my stage of my life, I don't think I'm going to get like when you're weighing the pros and cons or potential benefits, like I, I just, you know, so I'm, I've kind of like said, I'm going to stay up on the research. I'm going to keep an eye on it. But for us, right now, I'm not in any urgency to take. To do Actually, that. I'm going to, you are using a Rapalog. You're using our ProCare that has a Rapalog. But well, it's uh, topical. That's topical, yeah. though. Actually, so that's what I wanted to tell you, that when we were formulating it and, and uh, doing punch, uh, skin punch biopsies, etc., we found that for the majority of the population, I'm talking about over 95%, going over the, the dosage that we have there does not, uh, better benefits because you are 
you know, inhibiting the body in reacting to different, you know, different assaults or anything like that. So I completely agree with you that a lot of what biohacking is like finding the right dosage, by the way, you you mentioned like red light therapy or uh, infrared sauna, same thing there. Like you're going to obviously like infrared sauna, you can obviously cook a person or you can have a temperature that's reasonable and provides the right amount of stress. Red light therapy, same thing. Pulse, pulse is same thing. So I, I completely agree. Kind of last question before we wrap up, how do you address or do you address stress and like mindfulness in general? Is that part of your your day-to-day? Is it part of what you are interested in, engaged in? So yeah, breath work is uh, uh, an important thing for me. So I mean, I've, I mean, I actually just did not maybe a couple hours ago, I, I did uh, after I did like 20 minutes, just like a, a, I did what's called resonance breathing. So I, um, I basically, what I did was I went through a different, a bunch of different breathing patterns in prep. So a couple months back, I, did, I went through a bunch of different breathing patterns and measured my heart rate variability to figure out which inhale, exhale combination um, with a certain amount of breaths per minute would give me the highest HRV acutely because mm-hmm. everyone's different. And so it might be like for someone it might be five and a half seconds, five and a half seconds. For someone else, it might be um, four and a half, six and a half. You know, so you you play around with these numbers. There's a there's a book, Breath by by James Nestor. Not no no no. There, it's um, this woman wrote it. It's about it tells you how to do this um, to calculate uh-huh. your resonance. It's all about resonance. I, I I built a breathing app called Awesome Breathing. It's like a free app that you can dial in all those parameters. And so I will just sit there and like set it for twenty minutes. And so for me, that's like um. You know, I'll I'll do that. I often like to do that. Let's say I could be sitting in a sauna. I could be do because I think you know when we run out, there's so many things we want to do. We mm-hmm. always stack them because we don't have much, enough time. So I um, but I definitely think you know I'm more from the breathwork perspective. You know, mindfulness. Uh, I'm I'll be honest. Like I I don't I've gone through stages where I would do like some kind of meditation for like 30 days and then I would stop. I would say, but breathwork for me has been like the most consistent. For me, it's just a nice relaxing. Like it's I can do that anywhere. Like I could be, you know, commuting. I could be just breathing. It's not doesn't take much, much effort to do. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you know the, I think as long as anyone has any kind of practice that they can like stick to something consistently, I think they're gonna like see that benefit. You know, so that's that's why for me, uh, you know, in the breath work, like some days I'll do, like I said, resonance breathing. I've also done, you know, I I love the Wim Hof style breathing, like yes. going deep and like having those experiences, like. That's not an everyday thing though. Um, yeah. You know, that'd be like one day I'll just decide like, yeah, let's just do that today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, so that's, that's kind of like my aspect, but I use a lot of tools as well to like, um, if I need to like use light and sound to knock myself into a state, I can use technology to kind of help me there. So like, I'll use like tools like new, new calm or brain tap um, where it's light and sound and it and trains your brain. So I can put you into a certain state. Like um, often it's like a, more of a meditative. So it's almost like you get like a, a two hour power nap in like 20 minutes. Yes. So I agree. A, lot of, a lot of times if I had a porn, like if I didn't sleep enough or I felt like I didn't have enough time and I had like a little window of time in the after, like early afternoon, I'll just knock myself out for 20 minutes. It's not really knocking yourself out. I mean, you're, you're in another state and you come out of it, but you weren't like, it, it's like a nice recovery boost. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, uh, to, the problem with these uh, to me is that they're kind of addictive. They are so much easier to me than um, changing my state through meditation or something like that, that they are as addictive as, you know, wanting to feel happy and becoming drunk. You know, it's it's such an easy thing to go go to. I, I love uh, both Nucom and BrainTap. I, I try to tell everyone about them, especially, by the way, I found that dealing with jet lag and uh, light and sound is is tremendous just as a FYI. So Bob, listen, we're coming to a close, but for the pure um, benefit of the listeners, could you please kind of detail where you are putting information out there? I don't want to miss anything. So I want you to tell all the different ones and we're going to have everything in the show notes for people who listen, but where are you located on the internet? Sure. So the the best place to read about all of my Sort of ongoing experiments, exploits, information that I share is at quantifiedbob.com. Mm-hmm. That's that's my blog. And then on social media, so whether it's um, Instagram, Twitter, etc., it's just quantified Bob. So mm-hmm. it's pretty easy. And that's where you'll find more like real, you know, day-to-day kind of stuff, things that maybe aren't 
something I wouldn't write in a long form blog post because the blog posts are pretty lengthy and they get pretty detailed, but like yeah. Instagram might be more like I'm trying out some whatever I'm, you know, you can kind of see the, the hacks and things I'm working on at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, and then, my, and then, and then I, my company is called um, Awesome Labs and we're just a, a technology studio. So it's at isjustawesome.com and we built, we built tools around doing peptide calculations to breath work. We're doing, doing some stuff more in the sort of crypto and peace space. It's not really health related, but we, we just build things that, you know, scratch a rich. That are awesome. Listen, uh, Bob Toria, thank you very much. Again, as I keep saying, you're a personal hero of mine. It's great to uh, communicate with you always. We're going to see you soon, obviously. And uh, I wish you a great rest of your day and your week. Thanks. All right. Take care.